Happy Easter. I'm not sure that's exactly how it happened, but uh, holy guacamole is actually a phrase from the Greek version, the original version. So, well, I want to begin uh, my message today with a picture of a well-known painting. Maybe you've seen this before, and if you can't quite tell what's going on from the back, there are, are two individuals, two figures, and they're playing an intense game of, of chess. And the guy on the right with the, the white pieces, you can tell from his, from his face uh, that he's in a, a tough spot. Uh, he's only have a few pieces left on the board. The, the guys in the black are attacking, and it looks like he's out of moves, that he's going to be checkmated, and that there's no hope, no moves left. The guy on the other side, that, that figure represents Satan. And you can tell from his look that he really feels he's in a good spot. He's feeling pretty good about where the game is at. Uh, his pieces are on the attack, and he, in a sense, is thinking, I got you. I got you right where I want you. No more moves. You're out of moves. It's over. Just, just fold in your tent and throw in the towel. It's over. People who uh, come to see this this painting in the museum where it hangs, uh, often see this sort of a metaphor for how things can often appear in the world. You know, uh, we go through life and there are times where we find ourselves in a situation, maybe a relationship or a financial situation, uh, struggles with uh, somebody you know or love, um, all sorts of issues, physical issues, and you feel like there's really no good options. I really don't have any good choices here. I don't really like any options I have, and you think there are no moves left for you uh, in your life in that situation. But the story goes is that one day um, a chess master walked into the gallery and he was studying this, this well-known painting. And as he studied the painting, he, he, he kind of exclaimed out loud, kind of startled people, uh, there are moves left. The knight and the king have moves left. It's not over. There's, there's still time. As I've been thinking about the, the events of Holy Week, that first Holy Week, just uh, almost 2,000 years ago, there, there are some parallels with this, this painting. You know, think about it. The, the disciples have been following Jesus around for three years. Uh, they think he's the man. They think he's the Messiah. Uh, they've heard him teach incredible things. They've seen him uh, break social barriers and, and cultural barriers and, and treat people with love and respect and dignity. He's known as the friend of sinners. They see him do miracles. They think he's the guy. And then it all turns. Thursday night, he's betrayed. Um, he's arrested. He's tried. He's unjustly convicted. He's beaten and scourged. He's hung on a cross and mocked and ridiculed. He dies and he's laid in a tomb on Friday. And the disciples must have thought, it's over. Let's throw in the cards. And, and it's, it's over. There are no moves left. And you look at the scriptures and you can see that's how they felt. Because it tells us that they, they ran, they were scared, they hid. They thought it was done. And Satan, Satan must have thought, I've won. I got you. I got you right where I wanted. You fell into my trap. But then Sunday comes, right? And the Easter Sunday message is that even at the darkest hour, when God is involved, there are always moves left. So what are the moves that Easter makes available to us? What difference does the resurrection make in our lives? Now, we can't cover everything about the resurrection this morning, so if you have questions about the resurrection, historical evidence and things like that, we're not going to cover that all today. So if you have questions, I would be glad to have a conversation with you or point you to materials that might help you with that. 
But we're going to look at the moves of Easter and how it can make a difference in our lives. So I'm going to start with looking at Matthew 28. It's one of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. You can follow along on the screen behind you, or um, if you have a Bible, you can look there too. We'll begin at verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, some, some Bibles will translate this phrase as, translated as, fear not. You know, and there's a lot of things in this world that, you know, we probably ought to be afraid of. You know, there's a, a lot of bad things in this world. A lot of people making bad choices in this world. We can be afraid of those things. We can be afraid of, you know, flying or snakes or spiders or heights. We can be afraid of being alone or of the future. Many people are afraid of, of failing. And so they never really fully invest themselves or try. We can be afraid of taking risk, as, like being vulnerable in a relationship or, or changing careers. And a lot of people are afraid of, of death. But you know how many times the Bible uses the phrase, do not fear or be not afraid? 366 times. One for every day of the year, including leap year. It seems the message God wants us to, to kind of pull in and, and, and apply is, he doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be filled with terror or crippled by anxiety in our lives. He wants us to fear not. And so I think the first words on that first Sunday that were spoken by the angel to the Marys were not only for them, but for us. Do not be afraid. Which is easier said than done. I mean, there are some things in my life that I worry about, get concerned about or scared about, and I kind of remind myself God's in control. and It's kind of a yo-yo thing. I have to try to keep doing that. But in this story, um, the angel and appears to the two Marys, and that would have been quite the sight. I mean, I've never seen an angel outside of my beautiful wife, of course. So um, I, I, that should give me some brownie points, right, Nancy? Where are you? Somewhere around here. Um, but, the, but it says he looked like lightning. We don't know what that means. It means he was you know, probably shining really brightly, maybe giving off some sort of energy. But it was enough to scare the guards to death. I mean, they don't die, but they pass out. They look like they're dead. But the angel says, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. So the first move we have after the resurrection is we, we can move from fear to faith. The resurrection means that death has been defeated. And because of the resurrection, we have a sure hope, not sort of a wimpy fairy tale hope, but a, a sure hope. And we are called as resurrection people to live with perspective, the perspective from the empty tomb. In, in Romans 8, Paul says this. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He says that who will bring any charge against us? Who can condemn us? And at the cross and the empty tomb on Easter, Jesus emphatically answers those questions with no one and nothing. Because of the resurrection, we have the King of kings and the Lord of life and the Lord of death who stands in for us, who stands up for us, who intercedes at the right hand of God, and nothing and no one can ever change that. Not hardship, persecution, distress, starvation, homelessness, homelessness danger, violence, disease, 
depression, even death. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the risen Lord. So fear does not need to control us, does not need to shape us, does not need to shape our joy. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we can move from fear to faith in our lives. So let's continue our walk through Matthew 28, verse 5 again. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. So after asking the Marys to move from fear to faith, don't be afraid. What does he do next? He says, go, go and tell. Not when it's you know, convenient, not when you've absorbed this all. Not when you've caught your breath. He says, go immediately. Tell the message. The tomb is empty and Jesus is risen. You know, many people in life kind of feel like they're backed into a corner. Kind of lives of quiet desperation. Like a a hamster on on a wheel going round and round, not really feeling like their life is going anywhere. doesn't really make any difference when it's all said and done. Same old, same old. And asking the question like, like King Solomon did in Ecclesiastes in the Bible, where he asked him, what's the meaning and purpose of life? Or, or maybe coming to the conclusion like the rock group Kansas did, all we are is dust blowing in the wind. What's the point? Does it really make a difference? Does it matter? Well, on that first Easter morning at the empty tomb, the message was, yes, your lives do matter. They do have a purpose. We can move from purposelessness to purposefulness. You see, after Jesus beat death, he gave us a a new purpose, a new mission. Go and tell others. In your words and your deeds, your actions, your values, how you treat people, how you live your lives, tell others that Jesus is risen, that he died for our sins, that our lives count for eternity. I think it was in the Reader's Digest, there was a story about a 12-year-old boy named Jeff. He was playing baseball with a buddy and kind of a stereotype of a story, but I guess it happened. And um, he's playing baseball, and the ball went off the bat. It went through a window, broke it, and they look around, you know, see who's looking, see if anybody saw it, because they don't want to get in trouble. And there's only one witness, Jeff's little brother. And so Jeff said, um, little brother, keep quiet about this, and I'll give you candy. The younger brother said, I don't want any candy. Jeff said, well, keep quiet, and I'll give you a baseball. Little brother said, I don't want your baseball. Kind of a tough negotiator. Jeff said, how about my baseball and my new glove? And the little brother said, I don't want your glove either. And Jeff said, well, what do you want? He said, I want to tell. Does it sound like your kids? You know, when we hear the story of the resurrection, when we encounter the risen Lord, our first reaction, our first impulse, our responsibility, but our privilege is to go and to tell through our words and our actions and our lives that Jesus Christ is real and he's risen and because of Easter, we are to live on purpose and to honor Christ by pointing others to him. So we can move from purposelessness to purposefulness. For, for the next move, I want to start with a story from history. I, I was a history major, I like history, and you'll recognize the Battle of, battle of Waterloo. Many of you will know what that's about. It was the deciding battle in the war between the, the French and the English. And while the battle was raging on, the people of England were waiting anxiously to hear news of whether they had won or lost the war. And so a man was set at a post high in a church to await the signal from the front lines as to whether or not his country had won or lost. 
As the lighted signal began to shine, fog began to roll through the countryside. And he read the signal, England defeated. And his heart sank, and he sent out the message. It began to spread through the countryside that England had lost to the war. But then the fog lifted. And the watchman discovered the true signal said England defeated the enemy. On Good Friday, Jesus died on a cross and was laid in the tomb. And Satan thought, I gotcha. Jesus defeated. God defeated. But then the fog of Saturday lifted and a stone was rolled away. And Jesus, the Son of God, rose from the dead. And the disciples saw the true message from heaven. Jesus defeated the enemy. Our three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death, beat them all on the cross and through the empty tomb. And because he did, his victory can be our victory. And we can move from, from despair to hope. The author of Hebrews says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So no matter what happens in life, we can know that in the end, even though we feel like we're losing the battle, Jesus Christ has won the war. And because he has, through faith in him, we have won the war as well. That's the good news of Easter. So whether you're backed into a corner in a struggling marriage, fighting an addiction, having health issues, struggling with financial issues, whether you're struggling with a disease or even a terminal illness, you can move from despair to hope because Jesus Christ, through the resurrection, has won the war. The last move is yours. And it's really an invitation, and we're called to respond to the invitation. Because of Easter, we can move from a dead or dry religion where we try to earn things with God to a personal relationship with Christ where we accept His grace, what He's done for us. Or we can move from a lack of faith and lack of belief to, to faith in Christ. Jesus said this in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. That's grace. Jesus Christ offering something to us that we can never earn, that we, can, that we don't deserve. His riches, His goodness, His love, His forgiveness, and yes, His very life. At his expense, through his death and the resurrection. But that move must begin with us. The good news is it's all been done. We can move from fear to faith, purposelessness to purposefulness, from pessimism to power, from despair to, to, to hope, from death to life. That has all been done for us. We simply need to make the move to put our trust in him, to open our hearts and minds to him. to believe in Him, to say yes to Him. Now, I, I don't know where, where you're at spiritually this morning. God does, but I, I don't. But I do know where Jesus Christ is. He's not just in heaven. He's, he's here through His Spirit. And, and he's, he's inviting us. He's, he's waiting for us to make a move in His direction. So if you want a fresh start with God because you've been going through the motions or you've fallen away or just... Jesus is waiting for you to make a move to him.
to come alive in him. Or you want to begin a relationship with Christ. Or you're interested, but you're not quite sure yet about it. Jesus is waiting for you to make a move to him. You know, so Easter, even though Satan thought, I gotcha, I won. Jesus flipped the tables. He changed the game. And now Jesus says, I've got you. I've got you covered. I've won the victory. Just come to me, move to me. Believe and you too will rise again. That's the difference that Easter can make in your lives. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for what we celebrate at Easter. We thank you that that even in our lives when we think there, <laughs> there are no moves, that we know through Easter that Jesus Christ has made the most important moves. He died for our sins. And he defeated death and Satan and sin. So we thank you and celebrate that this morning. We believe that it's true and we believe that you're here through your spirit, the risen Christ. Lord, I pray for us as people that we would continually respond to that invitation to come to you and to know you and to follow you so that your victory could be our victory, your life ours. So we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son, Jesus, and all that we celebrate this Easter. Through his name, amen.